Hi, everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So Busy Living So Busy Living So It's episode 219. Oh my gosh, 219 episodes with Robin K. Hi, Robin. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I cleaned up the studio a little, just a little bit. Once I get going, I'm fine. I, I cleaned up a little bit. You probably can't tell. <laughs> it looks so cool. And um, what I was going to say to you when we first started talking, and I thought I'm going to wait till it's being recorded, but um, uh-huh. when you reached out to me and you said, I'm, when I got sober, I was able to be creative again yeah. and I was able to be an artist again. Mm-hmm. and the free the, that free flow of creativity comes through you right when you get sober and so when you talked about that I thought that was so awesome because I started painting yeah sober, and it was always something I wanted to do but my, uh, just my parents would be like you can't do that you don't know what you're doing you can't do that. <laughs> I think that it's like I always think it's divine intervention when people come on the show. And I was like, when you came, when you wrote me that, I wanted to say thank you because I love that you're an artist and you're doing this. Oh, thanks. I love it. And I have, it's kind of a cool story to kind of figure out how I got here. If if you don't mind me telling the whole thing. (laughs) I want you to tell the whole, I was just, your journey was like, what happened? What, and what it's like, and what it's like now. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to go. Um, I grew up in uh, the Bible Belt, where it was the tightest, like the Tulsa, Claremore, Oklahoma area. And I grew up with good, happy, healthy, normal family. I didn't grow up in an alcoholic home. In fact, I don't think I'd ever seen anybody drunk before until um, until I, you know, like they were on TV. Then they were silly drunks. They were funny drunks. Like, uh, I love Lucy, you know, where she's drinking the vitamin and whatever. And that was the first time I ever drank. I was babysitting my two little sisters. I'm the oldest. There's three girls in the family. And um, I think at the time, my mom was church secretary. So I was very, it was very um, conservative, religious family. And um, in a little town where everybody knew your business, right? So uh, yeah, everyone's watching. And at least that's what I thought. So we're watching this, I Love Lucy. And I'm thinking, that's hilarious. You know, I like to be funny. That's funny. She's acting funny. You know, I remember we had a bottle of wine above the wash and dryer in our utility room. Okay, that says right there, my parents weren't drinkers. First of all, I have no idea how long it had been up there. And it was a screw cap and it was above the washer and dryer. So it had to be awful. But I, I crawled up there and I got it and I brought it down and I poured one for my little sister. And I said, have some grape juice, Lainey. <laughs> so mean. And she's like, takes a drink of it. She's like, oh my God. And, and I said, you just drank wine. So now you can't tell on me. Hmm. And so I was manipulating my drinks at an early age, right? So um, I drank that bottle of wine and that, and I'm like 80 pounds and, uh, that was awful. I wasn't funny. <laughs> Nothing silly happened. I just got, went straight to feeling horrible. And you know, of course, when the parents came home, it's like, you know, you're supposed to be responsible for your sisters and how could you do that? And I'm sure they never had booze in the house again of any sort. And, um, so that was kind of a shame. It was obvious not to do that again. And then later on in high school, you know, like if I went to party, I would put maybe a Coors Light in a Coke can or something like a soda can. And because one, I didn't, you know, I, you know, I didn't want to look like I was a drinker and two, um, that way, like if the cops came, you know, I, I, and, and I wouldn't get busted and kicked off the pom-pom squad. Of course, that was very important, you know? And, uh, I think even we had a police officer come to one of the parties once and he's like, Hey, Robin, go home. I know your parents. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I just leave. Um, so I didn't really drink that much. And um, then I went to uh, Oklahoma State University and pledged a sorority. Well, I, I immediately became social chair of the pledge class. And then later would become social chair of the members and all that. But I was really good at throwing parties and really good at getting people together. And I love connecting people. I loved all that stuff. And so that was my job. I was the life of the party, <laughs> you know, I threw parties. I probably drank more than most people, especially most girls. And I would hate it when, be, when you know, the guys would be like, hey, drink like a girl. I'm like, oh, hell no, watch this, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was like a challenge. I always liked a challenge. I kind of um, 
I don't know if my parents instill this in me, if I was just born this way, but I've always been one of these, you know, I can do it. it pick me, I can do it, you know, and, and I, I won't just do it. I'm going to just, I'm going to do great. You know, like nothing was ever big enough, great enough. Um, I guess I didn't feel like I was enough. Like I was always pleasing and performing, but I was good at it. Or at least that's what I thought. Right. And, um, you know, as a child growing up in this, in this little town, it was obvious my job was to be nice and polite and pretty and sweet and kind and all that stuff, you know, not like strong and smart and powerful, which I'm sure would be, you know, nice too, but those were like the first row of things I needed to accomplish. So in college, all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm uh, out from other, my parents' wing, I'm having a good time, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I partied like most college kids did. I don't think it was overly, but it was definitely more than some. So then I get married. I married my, uh, my high school sweetheart. And he was a very nice, normal, uh, good guy. And he, he, uh, he and I had two beautiful girls. We moved to uh, Houston area. We lived in the suburbs in Sugarland. And, um, you know, we had everything. I was like 28, 29 years old, two girls, a house, Everything was great. Everything looked great on the outside, but I didn't feel like I fit. Like there was this, again, that like, it's not big enough or good enough. And it wasn't like the family wasn't good enough. It was like, I didn't fit there. I wasn't a suburban mom. I, at the time I was starting illustration. So I worked out of the, the house, you know, and I, I just didn't feel right. And I remember I, um, like I didn't do the laundry right. Or I didn't do the dishes right. Or, I don't know. They're just, it's just something wasn't right. And I um, joined these professional organizations in Houston. And one was for art directors and creatives and everything from art directors to um, photographers and copywriters and illustrators like myself. And another one was an illustration group. Of course, I'm social chair of all those, right? And then I'm like, ooh, I want to, okay, I'm going to run for the board. So now I'm social chair. And then the next thing, uh, you know, I'm president. So that's just kind of how I do things. <laughs> I jump in the middle and then I start a party and invite everybody, right? So um, I, uh, that was really cool. A lot of networking, whatever. But again, my job was to throw the party. And that's what I did, you know, um, speakers from all over, had a great time. I would feel like this rock star when I went there. You know, I'm young, I'm talented, I am... Um, I'm pretty in my mind, always all these things. And then when I would come home, I'm like, oh, I didn't do the laundry right. Or, oh, I didn't do this right. And honestly, I was a really good mom looking back on it. I, I really devoted my time to my kids. I didn't drink a lot at that time. My husband and I drank, but not, not alcoholically at all. And then um, eventually some of that, you know, not fitting stuff worked its way into a divorce. And um, I wound up marrying a art director later that I would say, we'll call him dark, handsome and mysterious, which mysterious I learned was code for secrets. So anyway, <laughs> that relationship was so foreign to me because I was used to, you know, walking this straight and narrow line of being this perfect this or this perfect that. And I, like I said, I never felt like I lived up to those things, but I tried. And usually, you know, I succeeded at something that I really tried to do because that's what everybody expected. So I expected that too, right? Except for that marriage. And that was super sad. My daughters were gorgeous and wonderful and they still are. Um, so I marry this, I'm going to call him the art director. And, um, we met drunk, we got married drunk, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we were drunk most of the time. Um, it wasn't necessarily drunk, but we were tipsy, which is so much cuter than drunk, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, all of a sudden I'm with somebody who is very creative, uh, very, very uh, not normal, and I loved it. You know, uh, if I woke up with a hangover, I didn't get in trouble. I got a Bloody Mary. <laughs> like I like this guy he never tells me no you know everything's great we threw great parties we did a lot of stuff together um you know and I had joint custody of my daughter so they would come over we uh you know it was a little tense like my oldest daughter hope she was like she thought it was super cool 
And my youngest daughter, Zoe, was like, no, he's super cold. Like he wasn't a warm, fuzzy guy. He, and he was, he was Mr. Cool, you know? And so they, they noticed that we were drinking more and more, you know, that we had parties all the time. And those were like very important shows. Um, then, uh, then I, uh, we were supposed to entertain some judges that came into Houston. He's an art director, I'm an illustrator. So we were like the couple that came in and did that. We had taken him out for martinis and um, then uh, we're driving back. This is 13 years ago. We're driving back after having a few drinks. Oh, and this is what we would do if we, we both drank obviously. So when it was time to go, like a couple hours into time to go home, it'd be like tag, all right, you're it tonight. You're driving. And then that person would be code for like, have a few drinks of water and kind of, you know, reel it in a little bit. And that night um, it was his turn to drive. So, you know, I decided to have a couple more. So we're in the car driving home. And I remember um, we're on 610 and 59, which in Houston is super crazy busy on a Saturday night. And I had kicked off my high heels and leaned back in my chair. And, um, and I remember him going, we're going to hit, we're going to hit, we're going to hit. And I'm like, you know, set up to look and boom, I had like a, you know, like you do a passenger break where you do this yeah. and I'm, my right leg sticking out by the way. So I'm doing like, like I'm hitting the brake and we crashed into one of those concrete barrier wall things. I crashed into the wall. So this burst, there's like a really cool scar here. My ankle was an open fracture. My femur broke completely in half. My spine, my vertebrae squished and I broke ribs because thank God I was wearing a seatbelt. I mean, thank God. And, um, and then I sort of notice what's happening and I can, I can still like feel and hear, you know, the cars whooshing by and ambulances and horns honking and him rushing around and the, you know, the, the ambulance guy gets there and he's like, and he's, and I'm obviously in shock. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Cause I could move my legs. And they're like, no, we think you hurt your back. Don't move. And I'm like, no, I can. And I'm moving my ankle and they're like, stop. It's exposed your bones, ex you know, and I'm, I put my hand down on my thigh and it moved like in two places. And I'm like, whoa, all right. All right. I'm not going to fight you. All right, fine. And they duct tape me, pull me out the back of the car, put me in an ambulance. By the way, um, our director was not harmed whatsoever, but I was obviously very hurt. Nobody else was, you know, involved in the accident uh, except for a concrete wall. And um, I get to the ER. Um, I'm still kind of in shock. They put me straight into ICU. And this is really gross, but I can, I can hear and smell people dying around me you know, and I would come in and out of this medicated state and try to figure out what had happened. And I was obviously very, very hurt. My, um, my spine, it would do the spasm. If I wanted to cough or breathe or cry, my back would spasm and arch me off the table. It was just, it was miserable. Um, in the hospital, obviously I was drinking that night. Um, in the hospital, I think I stayed in the ICU I don't know. It was over a week. And then I had nine surgeries later. So skin grafts and surgeries and every day was another surgery. And so I'd kind of be like in and out. And in the room, I would hear people whispering that were in the room, like parents and family would be like, they were drinking, you know, they were drinking, you know, and I'm like, I wasn't driving. I was the one that was drunk. Like I was adamant to defend him that, you know, I was drinking, but that was a drunk driving accident. I mean, it just was. Um, I was drinking more than him, but we had both been drinking and I'm sure that had a lot to do with what happened. Um, so that was super traumatic. It's like all of a sudden you're free and you can move and next thing you know, I'm in a, um, I had like this Wonder Woman bustier kind of cast and I had a cast on I didn't have a cast on my leg yet because they had to take a skin graft. So everything was like open and gross. And my arm was like all green with staples and my kids were terrified. And I remember the doctor coming in and saying, um, are you, are you a daily drinker? 
And I'm like, no one's ever asked me that before. And my heart, my blood pressure was going cuckoo. And they were like, we think, I mean, do you drink daily? And I'm like, well, and I thought, no. And then I'm like, I think I do. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, a couple of drinks, maybe. Everybody says a couple of drinks, right? So I'm like, hmm, okay, maybe, maybe I do. And so that was the first time anybody really asked me that question. And I was a daily drinker. And for the next few months, um, oh, by the way, I was in the hospital for a month. I was, I wouldn't, I wasn't even able to set up or take care of myself. Like I was bedridden for a month. And then I went home in an ambulance because I had to have my leg raised above my heart for it to heal. Like this wasn't just like a little boom, boom. And I got it all better. Like it was bad. And then I had to come home and I had a hospital in my hospital bed in my house. I had a wheelchair for three months. Um, I had, then I went to a walker and then a cane. So I always joke that I've been old once, right? <laughs> I know how that works. <laughs> I hope I never do that again. But it was, you know, all of a sudden your reality is just changed. Like everything shifts and you are a life of the party and a leader. And now you're a victim, you know? And I'd even have doctors say, you know, you've been a victim of a terrible car accident. You know, you need to take good care of yourself. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm a victim. No, 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 I get better. You know, I always win. I always do what I say I'm gonna do and I'm gonna get better. Don't always win, but in my head, I thought maybe. So I did all, I did everything I needed to do. You know, your, your body gets better, it heals, it takes care of itself. I did what I was supposed to do, um, except I was left with um, chronic pain and it's like sciatic nerve damage on kind of like where your panty line hits on your rear. And that's not a good place because you're sitting there all the time and it's all the time. It's like a, it's like a, like a sunburn. Did I lose you? Hello? Hello? You muted. Now I didn't. It was just <laughs> So you. It so says your internet connection is unstable. Mm. Your internet. Anyway. Keep going. So you, I want to go back to where you were. So where you were was that you were saying, so you had chronic pain and you were sitting there in this, and where it was, the last thing I heard was like on your panty line, you're sitting there in the sciatic nerve. Cause I know what the sciatic nerve thing feels like. So you're and you're in pain all the time. So go on now. Yeah. Yeah. So it was 24 seven and it was just like, it was just like alarms going off on my body all the time. And I would try to laugh it off or try to, you know, act like it's, you know, I'm getting better. It's fine. It's fine. It's no big deal. Because if I talked about, if I said something hurt or if I, if I brought up anything about the accident, he would just, oh, it was he would get mad. He would get upset. He would, you know, you know, I'm just an idiot. I'm just an F and F, you know, and he, and he, and so I couldn't talk about it. And, and he was very volatile person. We're having technical difficulties, people. Her computer keeps freezing up. I think her internet's going out and on and off. Now you're back. back. I don't know what's going on with your internet. I don't either. I don't either. I don't know what else to do. Huh? Is it stormy there? No, it's not. And we even set one up in here so that it wouldn't. Let me open the door like that's going to matter, but let me see. I don't think that's really going to matter, but we'll see. So, so he's obviously feeling terrible about himself and yeah, talk about it. And that's kind of be got to be hard. It's gotta be well, it had to be super hard because even though I got hurt and I was the victim, which I was, I guess he was hurt too. I mean, that was horrible. That was traumatic for him too, you know, and then to have to look at me and 
take care of me because he had to take care of me for a month and even at home. So, oh, by the way, we had been married for a year. So that sucked. (laughs) So the party was over, you know, (laughs) it was just like, newlyweds anymore. (laughs) No, no. Um, So that wasn't the, the thing we signed up for, but that's what we had. And it was very, my dog in the room it was very um I see it was just it was the tension in the room was horrible the tension in the house was horrible uh I didn't have the girls at the house for a while because I couldn't take care of them and take them to school so they stayed with their dad um the the guilt weighed on him and then that whole me pretending I'm not a victim weighed on me because I was in pain I was in a lot of pain and there were things I had massive limitations you know all of a sudden I went from this to that and it was incredibly difficult for me it was just it was a I can't explain it I'm in a lot of pain emotionally the room is full of a lot of angst and we can't really talk about it I can't communicate with him about it because it makes him feel bad so it's very dysfunctional in other words right Mm -hmm. um the I kind of get back together but I realized that the the nerve damage was a lot and I'm going to different um doctors and they're like yeah you just may be left with that forever you know we did a pretty good job of putting you back together but that just may be the way it is and I'm like yeah that no (laughs) that's no, no, I get better. No, no. When is this going to get better? And so one day I remember I had gone to the chiropractor and I would like shake. And I don't know if that was still residual medicines or me or what it was, but I, I kind of, I was very uncomfortable. Let's put it that way. Um, I remember one day I'm like, screw this. I had a swimming pool. I'm like, you know, I'm going to have a drink and, and float in the pool. I, I'm not taking these medicines you know, they're giving me this to sleep and this to wake up and this for that. And I'm done. I'm just going to have a drink and float in the pool. I'm not a drug addict. Hmm. So I make myself a drink. I float in the pool at lunchtime and nothing hurt. And I'm like, oh my God, I figured it out. Yay. I'm good at drinking. I love floating in the pool. (laughs) This is my liquid therapy. I've got it all figured out. That's what I'm going to do. And I'll tell you what, I was really tan that summer (laughs) and I would, you know, I would have people over and make a party out of it. Let's all come over at lunch and have drinks. Like it was fun for everybody, but the one drink at noon turned into, you know, so many hours later and it turned into nighttime and it turned into this and our house was just, the tension was so thick. Um, He had, he even once said I was an albatross around his neck, very dramatically, you know, and here I am like, oh, you know, I feel like this, like there's something wrong with me and I can't function. I can't do, I can't, you know, wear the clothes that I wore, like everything just, I like, couldn't wear my high heels anymore. You know, I just felt damaged. Right. Well, we drank more and more and uh, things got kind of ugly let's say I drink to manage the pain you know everybody has pain everybody has pain um it whether it's financial physical uh emotional and right now goodness you know everybody's got like this um this this our threshold of pain has definitely changed in the last year right and um I had a lot of pain we had a lot of dysfunction and a lot of pain and we didn't talk about it and then we started drinking more. And then we'd have nights where, um, you know, like somebody would say something ugly and the next morning you wake up and you can't talk about it. Like, if I say what you said, you're gonna say what I said and we'll just pretend it's not happening, you know? And it was like make-believe every day and it was awful. And it was an incredibly emotionally, um, it was just heavy. So like I said, pain comes in all these different forms. And I was medicating myself to kind of, and believing that that was going to make me feel better. Like I needed it to feel better. It worked at first. It did not work later. Um, In fact, I remember the first time I noticed that I actually needed it, you know, like my, 
my back and my neck was sweaty and my forearms were sweaty and I felt shaky. And I always had an excuse, you know, it's allergies, you know, or it's my blood sugar or it's this or it's that or whatever. Um, by the way, at this point in time, you know, I'm teaching at a couple universities in Houston. I'm, and I'm just the kooky art teacher, you know, funny, you know, <laughs> and at where I had to teach, I had to drive three hours. So I would have my drink. I would drive three hours. I would teach my class, you know, but not a drunk. I wouldn't be drunk. I would just have a little bit, you know, cause you know, I needed it. Right. And, um, my career was going great. I did a series of posters and I was drunk when I illustrated those. I wasn't like a little bit, I was drunk and I won those, those series of posters went national and I won a gold medal nationally, like one of the biggest accomplishments ever. So that's not really good. Then you feel bulletproof, you know, <laughs> you feel like I need this drink and I'm good. I'm still good at what I do, you know? And then um, basically that just turned into a lot of sloppy parties, a lot of sloppy nights. It, it didn't, it wasn't parties anymore. It was just managing and it was dysfunctional and it was a mess. And my daughters could tell and they didn't want to be around me anymore. You know, it'd be like, oh, I'm going to go stay with my friend this weekend. Or I'm going to do this. And I could tell, you know, and we weren't a happy place to be. Um, let's see. One night. Oh, there's just too many of those. There's too many of those one night, you know, when something really bad happened. So it got to where I would, um, in the middle of the day, take out the trash so that nobody would notice the wine bottles I had during the day. And it was always, you know, like appropriate, like it was, you know, Pinot Grigio with my lunch and, and it was, you know, certain things. And then later on, you know, my thing was, was vodka. And I would think nobody could notice because they can't smell it, you know, whatever. People can smell it, by the way, just let you know. Um, and he was really tall. So I'd hide it underneath really low. And I've got a million stories like that, but it just got to be where it was every three hours I'd had to have a drink. And I mean, every three hours, if, if not, I would get the shaky sweats and all that kind of stuff. And I tell people that, um, don't, can't imagine why somebody would just keep drinking, you know, once you just stop. And it's like, well, can you imagine if you had the worst hangover ever, the worst, and somebody said, just have a shot and it'll go away. Right. And you're like, until the next time. And then the next, you know, like, no, 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 it won't be that bad the next time. Right. And you think, okay, I can manage it. I can figure it out. I'll have some coffee. You know, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll eat some food. It was just, it turned into this vicious cycle. I couldn't undo mm. and all day long. It was all day long. Um, and I had a friend and she's watching me get sloppier and sloppier. And she's like, you know, I didn't realize her dad was an alcoholic. So she had gone to Al-Anon and she's like, why don't you go to a meeting with me? And she was very, very sneaky. She's like, you know, just go to one of these meetings with me. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll go. Cause it was obvious things were getting really bad. And um, yeah, I wasn't managing anything anymore. And I wasn't the life of the party anymore. And I was not okay. So we go and I was so scared. Oh my God, I was so scared. I was shaking, but I shook anyway, I think because of all the, you know, but my hair is like shaking and I'm in this meeting and I'm thinking, I hope they don't smell me, you know, and all this stuff, but all these people were happy. And I'm like, what the heck? Why are they happy? They're not drinking. Like, do you have to come here? <laughs> you know? And it, I knew they were happy. They looked healthy. They were happy to be there. And I hadn't been happy in so long, you know, I hadn't been happy in so long. And so I thought, you know, I'll come back. And I went back and I went back and I think I had four days and it wasn't easy. You know, sometimes I had to get my chip again and, and like probably every day for four days. But then I, I think eventually I got four days and then um, I'm telling the art director, you know, you, you can drink if you want to, just please don't do it in the house and don't come home smelling like it. Cause this is my problem, not yours, which, you know, and I'm trying to learn all that one day at a time stuff, you know, and I'm trying to like absorb everything. And, and, um, and then one morning it's, it's a messed up story, but, um, I found out a really big secret that he had and it was, it was just dumped into my lap and he had been keeping it for a long time. And it's probably not what people, I, I've had people say, you know, a sexuality, like, was he gay? It wasn't anything like that, it, it but it was, kind of deviant and weird and it freaked me out and I'm just like uh it was one of those moments where 
She froze again. She froze again. Let's hope she comes. Okay. There you go. I don't know. Let me start over. I'm going to start this. I found out a big dark secret. And it was one of those moments where you can hear your heart ringing in your ears and you can't breathe and everything slows down. And I'm just like, I've been through too much shit. I, I can't handle this. You know, I, I, I've taken too much. No, I can't, no. And I did what alcoholics do. I went and got a, a bottle. I had like four days sober. And we had a really meltdown kind of conversation. I didn't handle it well. He didn't, it turned into a screaming drunk fight. And I said all the mean things he was probably afraid I'd say. And he did too, and it was bad. And then I, I proceeded to drink myself silly for, for days. Um, by now, I think my oldest daughter came and found me and called my mom. <laughs> so my daughter and my mommy, you know, come. And uh, by the way, my parents are watching this and they're just, they can't believe little Miss Sunshine is melting right in front of them, you know, and all these bad things are happening. And, and my kids are just completely in shock and fear constantly. And my oldest one by now, she's about 18 and she's just had it, you know, she's had it. You know, it's like, if you, you know, I'm the parent here kind of had it. And she calls and I came to at rehab and um, I'm like, wait a second, where am I? <laughs> Mom had called and found a rehab here in Houston and I come to and I'm, and I'm like, wow, these people are in rehab, they're alcoholics, they've got problems. <laughs> you know, I, however, have chronic pain and mine is because of this. And let me tell you what my husband did. And let me tell you about this. And let me tell you about that. And, you know, you guys take care of yourself. I'll be back, you know, on Christmas break, whenever I'm not teaching, I have things to do. Thank you very much. Good luck with your life. And I leave, you know, and eventually I start drinking again, you know, and, it, but I had gone, I was going to meetings and I'd been in enough meetings to see that those people were happy. I've been to rehab enough to know where to go. This bounces around for the next few months. And during those next few months, um, I got a DWI, first one. And I was actually on the way to an AA meeting and I pulled over to get a bottle of wine. It, I wasn't doing so good. And I wasn't living at home because I couldn't live with him. So I was living at my dad's house. So I had to drink in my car because I couldn't drink there, right? You know, whatever. It was stupid and yeah. So, um, went to jail, Little Miss Sunshine goes to jail. And now I'm like, yeah, I think I have a problem. And by the way, you don't want to go to Harris County Jail in Houston. No, that wasn't where I needed to be. It, I deserved it. But um, so then I um, get it together, get back to the, um, to the uh, recovery. It, it's called, uh, we call it the part here in Houston. Got a bunch of great information, learned, so much about alcoholism and learned about pain management. They actually have a pain management group there that's fantastic. And um, learned about myself, you know, and I went to all these different groups and I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing okay, you know, and now I have three more months. Um, and then I'm just going to try and like condense it. There was, you know, life and then life in recovery in that first six months. I would do okay for three months and then not do okay and then do this and do that. And um, I remember I went back to my last class, my last class to teach. And I'm still teaching, by the way. And I'm pretty much sober for those six months, except for this day. And just, just went off the wheels. Not okay. I showed up at my class drunk. I taught for 10 years. I was really good at what I did. And in one day I blew it. I mean, I blew it bad. And those, those poor students, they didn't deserve that. You know, they're seniors getting ready to graduate. I blew it. And it was like in the end of April, right, right before they graduate. And it was, it was ugly. And I'm driving back, you know, I, it's a long story, but it took me a while, but I, I'm driving back. I'm sober by the time I'm driving back, full of shame. You know, I was so full of shame and guilt and remorse for who I was. Like I couldn't stand what I, that every morning I thought about it every freaking morning when I woke up, every night when I went to bed, it's like, 
I couldn't get it out of my head. I couldn't get this, this obsession, right? And it was just constant. And I said that I didn't want to drink anymore, but I did. I mean, I did. My whole body did. And all it took was that one drink. And then you're back to that, that constant, you know, it's got its claws in you. And I'm, I'm just, anyway. So now I'm in a state of complete shame and I have alcohol in my body. And so it's talking to me again, right? And um, this ex, this our director husband had to, was gone for the weekend. So I decided to stay in our town home again. And I remember I went to an AA meeting and it was a barbecue on a Saturday. And I was, I stayed, I was the last one there because I was afraid of myself. Now I didn't tell anybody what I did, secrets. I didn't tell anybody what I did, but I stayed there and I cleaned up and I did everything right. And, and but I was shaking inside and it was over like at eight and I stuck around as long as I could to clean up and then finally I'm like, I'll go home. And I'm driving home and it's 8.45 on Saturday in Texas. That means the liquor store, you have 15 more minutes before those liquor store closes, right? Yeah. So I, I, um, I did it, you know, I pulled in and I got what I would consider a normal size bottle of vodka, like the wine bottle size. By the way, I would drink the handle kind of vodka, the bottles. I would drink it all the way down to like that much at night. So I would have something to get me through to the next day. And it was just, it was just, that was a lot. That was a lot. So that day I went and I got that and I came home or to what was my home. And it's just full of bad memories and anger and negativity and pain and dysfunction. Of course, and I did my little pity party, you know, I had a drink, what I thought was a normal size drink. By now, my body had been on and off of alcohol, mostly off for six months. And um, apparently, I went on the balcony, decided to go on the balcony. And um, i that's all I remember. And I wake up uh, in an ER and with a tube down my throat. And everybody in my family that loves me that I would have hidden that from, thinking I was hiding it from them, is in that ER room and they're looking at me. Oh, my oldest daughter with that just anger and disgust and my youngest one is scared to death and my ex-husband's there and my parents are there, my sponsor was there and I'm like, what happened, you know? And I, of course I can't talk, but I can hear because I would come in and out and I could hear the doctor say, you know, her eyes are open, but she's not there you guys, you need to say goodbye. And like, I'm hearing all this kind of stuff. And what happened was, is my liver just said, screw you. I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I'm done. I, a uh, couple drinks, bull, you know, and I had drank the night before because that was, or the day before, um, or two days before. And it just stopped. And I had a seizure on the balcony. Somebody saw me. I went into like a seizure coma, Thing. and uh, ambulance guys came and drug me off the balcony and they, apparently they called the time of death like the guy that was driving called it the guy in the back either didn't hear it or he just kept working on me thank god and when I came back to the you know to the, to the hospital I was alive they get my cell phone they call everybody and they come there and they're thinking that they're my daughters are coming to think they're saying goodbye to their mom you know so um, I remember the nurse, when I finally came around, the nurse goes, well, I have to ask you, you know, did you see the light? And I'm like, you know, that's a Southern thing to say. Well, honey, did you see the light? You know, did you figure it out, stupid? <laughs> You're not supposed to be drinking, dum-dum, you know? And I'm like, uh, I guess I'm not supposed to be drinking. She goes, no, you were dead when you came in here. You weren't breathing. She said, you... You shouldn't be here right now. And I'm just like, eh, you know, and the before where I would hear like an AA meanings, you know, cunning, baffling and powerful, or, you know, your life is unmanageable and all this kind of stuff. And I'd be like, oh yeah, my life is unmanageable. You should hear what's happened to me, <laughs> but powerless. Oh no, no, no. You don't know me. <laughs> I got this, you know? And here I am, there's nothing more powerless 
than drinking yourself to death. Like that's pretty powerless, you know? And I just, I'm trying to figure it all out. And at that moment, it was just like, I've got to get it together. I don't want to die. That wasn't my idea. Like I didn't go there to drink myself to death. I went there to just to get everyone off my back. Just leave me alone. I, I just need to check out, you know, I've had a rough weekend, <laughs> you know, that I, I went back to rehab. I begged to go back to rehab. I, I said, I'll take any class, any, you know, outpatient, inpatient, every patient, you know, I'll go to aftercare, whatever you want. I think I took every kind of class I could. I even took a grief class and I, my grief was about losing old Robin. That's, that's why I said goodbye to, you know, and oh, that was tough. And by then now my parents, they don't want me living in their house. You know, they don't want me around. They're, they're a nervous wreck trying to figure out and trying to manage stuff. And um, I went to a halfway house. So it was the day before my birthday. I think I was turning 25, uh, 40, 25, I wish, 45. <laughs> and this woman comes to pick me up. By the way, I've, I've done, you know, like so many days of rehab now and I'm going to live in this halfway house. And this woman comes to pick me up. This is awesome. Her name is Cindy and she's adorable. She, uh, she had that rough smoker's voice, you know, and this little cute giggle. <laughs> she had a little giggle and she picks me up and she's like, well, Robin, I see here in your paperwork, tomorrow's your birthday. Well, happy birthday. And like, I'm going to a halfway house. And I go, oh my God, I'm going to turn 45 at a halfway house. Ooh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And she goes, no, girl, you get to live another day. You get to have a birthday. And I'm like, oh, I do, you know? And now that's a joke in her house. Like if I'm doing something less than desirable, you know, like, I don't know, taking out the trash or like, you know, you know, I was changing, you know, a grandkid's diaper or something. It's like, I get to change that diaper. I get to live another day. And um, I stayed there for three months. I got to be another sick woman in, uh, in, uh, in a recovery house. You know, I figured I'd live in a shorty house. I can do this, <laughs> do this rehab thing with women. That was a lot of drama, but it was good. I kept my mouth shut. I wasn't trying to be funny or a leader or anything. I was just another lady. I followed directions. I listened. I did everything I was supposed to. Um, I had a sponsor that had she lived about an hour away and I needed a lot of babysitting. <laughs> you know, I really did. I was, um, I needed a lot of attention and, and I had a lot of questions and I was trying, I was trying so hard to be open to, you know, why, why does this happen to me? You know, why is this going on? Why, why is, uh, why am I an alcoholic? You know, and I'd heard in a meeting, you don't ask why. You know, that's like going into a house that's on fire. Why is this house on fire? You know, I'm going to stay here until I figure it out. Just hold on. I got to figure out why. It's like, no, you don't, you don't ask why. Oh gosh, there's a bug in here. You don't ask why you, you, you get out, you save yourself. Right. So I'm standing in this, you know, burning house, still trying to figure out the whys because I, I'm a fixer. I can fix things. Like I'm going to take charge. I'm going to fix it. So I still wasn't getting what I needed. <laughs> I wasn't ready, I guess. Um, three months later, doing everything I can, going to all these meetings. Um, I'll try to make this quick. I went with my, my youngest daughters are visiting me at this place. Still feel a lot of shame. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not ashamed of who I am anymore. That's just part of my crooked story, my imperfect story, but um, I'm definitely guilty of all those things, but I don't feel that way anymore. But at the time I'm still, you know, pretty shell-shocked. I uh, had gone to my, my daughters were all going to meet me. It's a long story. My mom and her husband pick me up at this rehab. They take me to go pick up my daughters who happen to be at my, my ex-husband's house, their, their father's house. He's remarried in this big, beautiful house with this lovely wife and this brand new baby. And I look like you know, it looked like I've been living in a halfway house and drank myself to death. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. You know, I made some really bad choices and here I am. And, you know, before I was just going to make it work, you know, in my, the past life. But at this point, you know, I'm just, I'm beaten, I'm beaten. And I'm standing there and I'm like, you know, 
I'm going to go to the kitchen and get a glass of water. They're up there, baby, this house is great. And I'm feeling less than. And I went down to their house, tipped into the kitchen and I got a glass of water and I hit the, the glass in the ice cube in the, in the refrigerator and it went clink, clink, clink. And I, man, that's like, bing, it's like, it's time for vodka. You know, it's like that sound just, and immediately I look and there's tequila and I have a glass and boom, boom, boom. And I drink it. I mean, I didn't have time to call my sponsor, reflect on the steps. It was just like this gut reaction. I feel bad. I'm going to glass of water, ice. <gasps> hey, boom, 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 done. Well, my daughter saw me on the balcony and starts screaming in their house. And I'm just like, I'm busted. I'm not just a little bit busted. I'm busted by their dad, his wife, my mom, her husband, both of my girls. I don't even know what to say. Like it happened so quickly. I can't even believe it just happened. I remember I ran to the bathroom. I locked myself in the bathroom and I'm just, I don't even want to come out. I'm so ashamed. And my youngest one comes in and she's just crying. She's like, why, 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 you know? And Internet, internet, internet. Are you back? Just bring back, just bring back everybody. Don't give up. Just come back. Maybe she not. Hello? There you are. I don't know. I'm sorry. This sucks. It's okay. Okay. I'm in the bathroom and I can't explain why. And I remember my therapist at rehab saying, you know, and I, and I like, and I want to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And everyone's just shock and awe and disgust. And you just died. You, what do you, why? And I, I didn't know why anymore. You know, I was tired of asking why, and I was tired of saying, I'm sorry. And it was this, I had a therapist in rehab tell me, you don't longer say, I'm sorry. You say, thank you. You say, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about me anyway. Thank you for being here. And I couldn't even give her an excuse anymore. I couldn't stand hearing myself say it anymore. I couldn't stand it. Because I, I was completely shocked at what I had just done. Um, I couldn't even say I'm sorry. I couldn't explain it. And I was just speechless. And they took me back. And the next day, I thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. You know, this isn't fun. I can't, I can't put myself through this anymore. I can't put my kids through this anymore. You know, when was the last time I want any listeners out there to think about this, that when was the last time you had fun drinking? Like when was really the last time, no consequences, no fear of DWIs, no fear of people finding out or, oh, maybe I shouldn't drink too much or I'll only have three drinks this time or I'll switch from vodka to beer or whatever it may be. When was the last time you really had fun? And I hadn't had fun in a long, long, long time. I wanted to, but I wasn't. Those people in those meetings, they were having fun. I still didn't know why, uh, by then I'm trying to, you know, getting it. And it was like, all of a sudden I had this, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this to myself, to the people I love anymore. I cannot do this anymore. I switched up everything. I changed sponsors. I went to different meetings. I went to church and like, somebody pray for me, <laughs> somebody do something. You know, my whole life I'd been to church. Like I said, mom was church secretary. So when the doors were open, we actually had to be there. She had the key to open the doors to the church, right? And I always figured throughout those years, you know, I know you're there, God, but if, if I don't make eye contact, maybe you won't notice what I'm doing, <laughs> you know? It's like, I'm, I know you're there. I'll, I'll talk to you later, but not right now. You know, I'm too ashamed to look up at you right now. 
and I did everything. I talk about desperation. I changed everything. And um, that was my last drink. That was over eight years ago. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was a rough, that was rough. And I did everything right. The first year was really rough, but it took a while. By the way, four years, four years to get my driver's license back. Uh, four years to clean up the wreckage of my past and I'm still working on it. Um, my, I have, I have, I love myself again. I love me and my, my, my family. I believe that they love me. They, they trust me. You know, it, it took a while. At least I trust myself. Right. I figured out that I was trying to manage things and make it work, figure things out so that I could fix it. You know, I'm not God. I, I don't do that. Obviously. <laughs> Thank goodness. I'm not God. Right. Um, so four years of cleaning things up, four years of doing the right thing, uh, probation, all this stuff, you know, uh, going to these meetings all the time. Um, I, uh, I wound up, um, you know, I, I learned in these meetings, you know, just to just one day at a time. And I, and I, and I would say my prayers, and I still do it, my morning and night prayers, you know, I review my day. I still do all those things. And I still say, thank you, God, for this wonderful day. And I mean it now. Like, I actually mean it. <laughs> I actually try. I, I listen, I still do it. And I'm going to continue to do it. Life gets better. There's so many things that get better. Um, I've, I'm married to somebody who has 13 years. You know, it's so different in our house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to be married to somebody in, in recovery that was, oh, and I, I became a facilitator at the rehab that I worked at. Or that I went to, it didn't work out. Um, I became a facilitator. So I was the, the Saturday morning pain management recovery facilitator. God has the funny sense of humor. Yeah. I went through all that pain, 10 years of teaching and I'm facilitating, you know, pain management. Um, that's awesome. You know, I learned that the alcohol did not help my pain. It made it worse, much worse. It is so much better without the booze. My body's better. Like there's so many things that are better. I, I could go on and on, but there's so many things that are better. My health, my mind, my clarity, my sense of who I am. Um, you know, there was a lot that went into it though. A lot of self-help books, a lot of recovery, Hazelton books, you know, a lot of meetings, a lot of good people around me and a lot of love. And I found love for myself again. God, that took a long time. Um, and then, um, I found, uh, things like, um, oh, I, I meant to mention this, the, the creativity part of it, right? By the way, do you have any questions? <laughs> I just dumped a lot. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. I want it. So now you get to breathe a minute. <laughs> to breathe. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was a big, mm, lots of dust. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. seen people like you in my journey. Um, mm. And I don't like, and I'm not saying that negatively. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying I've seen people that have had their journey has been this almost death. And how lucky are you that you are alive? I mean, oh my and gosh, I read, and I, there's so many things I thought about when you were talking and it was like, I thought it was cute because we were tipsy. You talked about the shame you had in, in being in your living room. So and much. Then you talked about, um, you talked about how the white light and did you see a white light? And I love that because I believe, and I don't know if you're in agreement of this. So my problem with my alcoholism is there's a hole in my soul, right? I'm never, yeah, yeah. that shame is a character defect, right? That's a defect. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember when I got sober, I started, you know, sober, not ashamed because there was so much shame. And when you talked about walking into your first AA meeting and going, oh my God, I was so scared. I can totally relate to that. That was the scariest mm -hmm. thing I've ever done in my life. Oh yeah. More than getting married, having babies, buying cars, yeah. buying houses, doing all these big transactions, but walking in and saying, who am I? I'm an alcoholic. Oh my God. Yes. And then <laughs> the fact that you've been given this opportunity I mean, it was once you almost, I mean, the car crash was huge. <laughs> walk again. Yeah, I wow. can walk. Wow. Not in, not in stilettos, but I can walk, baby. <laughs> yeah. And then your body said enough. And you went back and did it again. That tequila story, going back and doing it again. But people will understand that because why did you do that? Because you're an alcoholic. 
That's why you did it. It's because you're an alcoholic. Why are you alcoholic? I don't know if it's in your family tree anywhere. It sounded like your parents. Oh my God. Yeah. But I don't know if it goes back anywhere in the tree, does it? I'm I'm American Indian and Irish. There might be some genetics there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, actually. (laughs) There you go. And um, I believe that that's like, for me, both my grandmothers were alcoholics. So it was easy for me to say, oh, I know where I got it. But when yeah. it's a little further out, it's kind of a little harder, right? Because you're like, I don't even fit in in this family. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, what well, you know, here I was doing everything right for so long. And then just, boom, I mean, face plant, <laughs> you know, no like slopes. It was three years of, of hard drinking. And then well, it sounded like it wasn't it was it it sounded like it was progressive. It sounded <laughs> being on this the story end, just goes oh, <laughs> it wasn't such a it was like you know your marriage got dissolved, you didn't see your kids as much, you married this guy who's probably not the greatest thing he's a party in, you know, whatever. But you yeah. know, whatever your journey is, it's like getting there and getting mm-hmm. years is freaking huge. I want to commend you on that. That's like so awesome. It's not, it's, it's a talk about a God thing. Yeah. I didn't do it. I mean, I, it finally snapped. It's like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to, to get this, this, you know, spiritual awakening. People were talking about meetings. You know, I didn't have any other, you know, I didn't know about podcasts, you know, and I didn't know about other places to go get sober and believe me, if I had heard there was a place you could still drink and get sober, I would have gone there first. But, <laughs> but this is, you know, this is my story. And this is where I went. And I'm just like, I don't understand why these people are so happy. I don't get it. And I think it was my stubborn bullheadedness and that, that sense of I can do this. And at some point I had to be like, I am powerless. I'm truly powerless. And then once you get enough sobriety, it's, you know what, it's fear versus faith, right? So you, you go back to these meetings and you go to rehab at first because you are scared shitless that you're going to do this again. You know, I was afraid of myself. I was afraid of the way I felt or thought or whatever. And here I thought I, everything was great about me. And all of a sudden everything's damaged, like all kinds of damage. Fear kept me in those meetings. And then eventually it turns into faith. You're like, oh. You can breathe a little bit. You're like, oh my God, this really is better. This is really better. Like my life is really better. You know, I can, all that numbing that I was doing before, numbing the dark in my life, it was also numbing the light in my life. There's so much light and I couldn't see it, you know, because I was glazed over with vodka. I couldn't see clearly. And um, relationships and people and, you know, uh, uh, Will, my husband now, you know, it's so funny. I've always said that men w- marry women expecting them to never change and women marry men thinking they can change them. Right. And so that was maybe my past, but now in the present, you know, we've both had enough, I don't know, therapy or recovery or something. It's like, this is, this is it. You know, I'm married to somebody who loves me right now. That still makes me want to cry. You know, right now, he didn't know me without the scars. He didn't know me when I was young and thin. You know, he didn't know me when I could still wear stilettos and I won gold wards on stages and spoke in front of hundreds of people. No, he didn't know that. He knows this one. And he he loves me. <laughs> and I love myself. Oh, my God. You know, the... The deeper feelings, all those feelings that I numbed, I get to feel those, you know, and even bad feelings. Yeah, they're bad and they don't last forever. Just like good feelings don't last forever. You know, Um, I started right after recovery. I was a little afraid to start back my illustration career. Like my, I had an agent and she was like, this girl's got problems. (laughs) I'm going to move on. (laughs) Um, it took a while, you know, in those first four years, I'm not living in my own home. I don't have my computer set up and things just didn't feel right. And I think I was afraid. I was afraid I couldn't be creative because mm-hmm. remember I won those, all those awards with that poster being just drunk. And um, I was afraid it wouldn't be any good. I'm driving and I hear um, on the public radio here in Houston, it was 
Ray Wiley Hubbard. He's a singer songwriter here mm -hmm. and he's fantastic. And he said when he was trying to get sober back in the day, the only person he knew with sobriety was Stevie Ray Vaughan. And he said, he asked him, he's like, hey man, I, you know, I don't know how you did it, but I'm scared because, you know, I, you're, you're still as great as ever. In fact, I think you're better. And he goes, Stevie Ray was like, uh, he said, you know, when I was playing before, it was like I was playing with boxing gloves on, you know, I'm fighting every note. I'm, I'm fighting every set at night. I'm fighting through everything. And he said, now it's like the boxing gloves are off. I can feel the music. You know, I can, I can feel the audience. And he's like, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I pulled over in the car when I heard that and I just started bawling. I'm like, I need to hear that God, thank you, you know? And then one day, uh, a friend that I hadn't even talked to in years, she calls me up and she says, this, I might've been three years sober. And she calls me up and she's like, you know, Robin, I've, I've been on this waiting list for this artist guy to paint my dog. Can you paint my dog? And I'm like, sure, I can paint your dog. Well, you know, I'm like, I can do anything. Sure, yeah, I can paint your dog. Sure, yeah. And she's like, all right, you know, uh, I want this size and this size. And I'm like, okay. So I get the canvas. Now I'm a digital illustrator. Everything's done by the computer. I get this canvas and I'm like, oh shit, I got to paint a dog on this canvas. And there's no like command Z. There's no delete, you know, or edit. So I start painting. Now, before when I was drinking, I couldn't put on mascara. My hands shook so bad, you know, like, and I always called it carpal tunnel or some BS, you know, and <laughs> I'm painting and like every stroke is just, oh my God, you know, and I'm painting and I, you know, you do that thing where I'm painting by myself. I'm in the room by myself and I start like smiling and I start the goofy smile. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, you know, and I'm painting and all of a sudden I start giggling. And then I'm laughing and then I'm crying and I'm like, oh my God, my hands work. My eyes work. My, oh my God, I'm still good at something. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my God, I'm good at this. You know, I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I painted that. I delivered it to her. She teared up. She got so excited. She was so excited. And it was just like, yay. And I thought, this is it. This is my new drug. <laughs> you know, this is what I'm going to do. I love this. I put it on Facebook and boom next order next order next order i've probably done 400 paintings now in the last four years i love it oh my god it's so exciting i get to deliver this and it's it's a different kind of connectivity you know it's not the party with the booze connectivity it's i get to actually connect with people and paint something that they love and care about that makes them feel joy you know, it's so cool. It's just, it's so exciting, you know? Um, and it's really good. And I'm not saying that like, I'm really good. I'm like, thanks God. I got a gift back. You know, it's like, wow, I didn't know that was there. You know, there's gifts, there's gifts all around me my whole life, but I couldn't see them. You know, I was, I was dead set on this one thing and I wanted that one thing back. And I wanted, I wanted this back and that back and all these big clients and all this stuff. And here's this beautiful gift. And now that I'm sober, I can see it. I can feel it. I could open that gift up and I can share it with other people. Oh, so I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, that's what I do. Awesome. What an <laughs> awesome story. You are an example of literally how this program works for one. It does work. About how humility drove you to be <laughs> Right? Mm. Humility. Yeah. I, I'm like humble. I'm, I'm so humble. I'm so humble. You made me go and do this again. I mean, your daughter screaming down to you. Ah! I just, yeah. that, that visual you just described was amazing. It was bad. Um, you are a uh, warrior. I love to say that. <laughs> I got the scars to prove it, baby. <laughs> and I just keep doing it because it's amazing. And I can feel your energy through this podcast. And it's amazing. Your paintings are gorgeous behind you. Congratulations yeah. on all your success. Thank you. Thank you. On eight years of sobriety. And I hope it up. Amazing. It's, Amazing. It's been a wild ride. It's been a wonderful ride. If anybody wants to see any of these paintings, um, robink.art. It's R-O-B-I-N-K dot art instead of dot com. I'm on everything. Instagram, YouTube. Oh, I do. If you can see the little camera here, I do uh, um, 
time-lapse videos of the paintings. So it's kind of fun to watch them if you're, you know, if you're bored, you want to watch some time-lapse paintings. Uh, it's Robin K Art on YouTube and on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool. It's really cool. I really <laughs> like grandchildren now. You've got a new husband. Your life oh, is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And I don't take it for granted. And those grandkids, Lord willing, they will never see me, never see me drunk. I don't want to. Life's too good to mess that up. There's no, there's no drink that tastes as good as my life right now. There's oh. no party as good as my life right now. You well, know, that's like a gift. You've got to like beyond your wildest dreams. <laughs> Thank you so much for reaching out to me and for coming on. And everybody, I will put her link to her stuff on the website. On yeah, my website. I'd love to hear from everybody. Yeah, I'll let everybody do that. And until next time, everybody. Keep getting busy, living sober. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Bye.